Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Martin Blah Blah Bubbly Blah Willis. Yeah, I guess maybe I had a little too much coffee today. No, I said that because you said I do that. You said I blah blah. Oh, oh, oh. I said you had, I would go, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you have the gift of that, Mm. of being able to talk. So it was a good thing. It was a good thing. I meant blah in a good way. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right. All right. There is such a thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. This isn't starting out too well. No. Good no. job. No. And um, my guest is, uh, it, you know, this was one of those interviews. Of course, they all are like this. But this was one that was really weird because it went so quickly. Like, they all seem to go very quickly because there's so many interesting things to talk about. But this one felt like it went in a heartbeat, I think, just because it's so fascinating. And it, my guest is uh, neuroscientist Dr. Bob Davis. And he spoke at the wow. Congress... Uh, this past year, he's with Free. So that group, uh, I think oh, yeah. they call it now the Edgar Mitchell. Uh, and essentially, it's an experiencers research group. And there's plenty of members. Uh, but one of the lead guys is this guy, Bob Davis, who you can tell is very enthusiastic about the topic. He really is a neuroscientist. So he uh, likes to take a more scientific approach to things. And they're doing an inventory to see what abductees are like, essentially. Um, so, But they're also doing something else. Uh he has written a book that just came out on uh, life after death. Mm. So, and what's funny is, of course, that uh, Leslie Kane did something that's right similar uh, fairly recently. So, uh, which is kind of a funny coincidence, but and he comes from a similar perspective. But it's really interesting. He goes into different studies. I think, you know, there's a lot of probably similarities, but enough differences that it's worth reading both of the books. Um, So what we do in in this interview is we do an update on their abduction research, but then we get into uh, life after death and kind of more along the lines of uh, the quantum, because, you know, a lot of people misuse that, but uh, there is... We kind of talk about how at least physics is beginning to open up and possibly see that there is space for uh, for the possibilities of life after death, uh, which may even connect with uh, ideas of uh, being able to communicate telepathically and this sort of thing. So, yeah, really interesting wow. stuff. Yeah, I've often pondered if there's actually life after birth. After birth? This is life after death. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, this is going to be one I'm going to check out for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Now, I don't know that there is any debate about uh, life after birth. <laughs> well, I don't know. So his book All is right. simply called Life After Death, An Analysis of the Evidence. So uh, we'll talk more about him if you want to look it up uh, and prepare as we go over the news. His website is theufophenomenon.com where he talks about uh, the UFO phenomenon where he has a book about it and also uh, Life After Death. So, yeah, very interesting. I mean, he's got a very impressive background as well. So uh, he, he's great to talk to. Now, you said he's a neuroscientist? Correct. I think he's retired now. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I believe that. Hopefully, I'm not wrong about that, but uh, yeah. Well, I always find that interesting when someone of science wants to, to you know, uh, discuss a topic like that that has a little, you know, has some insight, actually, mm-hmm. on what goes on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it should be interesting. So, uh, yeah, so great interview. Um, but before we get into that, of course, we got to talk some UFO news. And That's that is right. where and you come in. I'll take it away. All right, UFOs over Oklahoma mm. caught on a video with a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Now, you always hear people saying, uh, if everyone has a cell phone, how come no one's catching pictures or videos of a UFO? Well, this gentleman indeed did, and he submitted three uh, videos from his cell phone. This happened back on November 9th of this year. And this comes out of uh, Moore, Oklahoma. And uh, so he was, uh, I guess it was around 5.15 p.m. while he was picking up a child after school. And uh, so this is right outside of a schoolyard. And this is his uh, report verbatim. I was picking up my son after care at his school and uh, more Oklahoma around 5.15 p.m. or so and came outside and saw two dark objects rising in the air. They were tumbling as they floated up in the air and they kept going. They looked square and dark. I took some videos with my cell phone and the objects appear to be silent, rising into the air, tumbling as they gain altitude. They also appear to be square shaped. Although balloons are typically round, party balloons can come in all shapes and sizes. And uh, so it, I checked out the video, and I also have a, a huge screen in my um, in my recording studio. Hmm. So I pulled up the video on my huge screen, and the only thing, and, and I'm thinking they're most likely balloons, but I did find it rather curious the way they seem to be rotating very evenly. Um, I don't know if you were able to, you know, expand. I could on your, see yeah. a bit of rotating, and, and they look square, don't they? Yeah, they look rectangular, actually, mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Do they make balloons like that? I guess they make them any shape, don't they? Yeah, I guess they do. I did do some hunting online to see if I could see some very squarish uh, balloons, and I couldn't, actually. Mostly they're rounded or or kind of, yeah, more round. So, I'm sure they are out there, but I couldn't really find any examples that looked uh, like what was in this video, however. So, yeah, the video is kind of interesting. They just look very different, uh, not typical. Let me, mm-hmm. mm, let me ask you this, um, and it might be a silly question. Do people make, can you make a balloon? I mean, 
I'm sure you can. I mean, I don't know uh, of many people doing that, but uh, I would imagine you could. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either. I mean, there's probably a machine. Yeah. They look very similar to each other as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I suggest the listener check it out and see what they think. And I was waiting for, um, you know, I saw one or two comments and um, it would be interesting to see how the, you know, what different people think about what they are. Yeah, not a lot of comments. There was one where someone thought he could see a string between them. There were two balloons that were tied together, which would make sense if they were on some kind of balloon arch or something. And because they are near each other, although they move away from each other in the video uh, a bit, it seems. So, um, hmm. yeah, it's a, it's interesting. It's probably balloons, but who knows? Yeah. Worth checking out, though. If you're listening, go yep. check it out at openminds.tv. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had a couple other interesting things on there. The one I wanted to talk about is uh, these really cool visualizations. Um, and there is a site called the Data Duo, I guess, which is just this couple of people, these two friends who uh, are into data and and data crunching you might call them data monkeys that's what i would call them if i was their friend i'd say they're a couple data monkeys but Ah. uh what they do are these these duo dares or something like this where it's this contest where they take a set of data and there's a website called kegel that provides lots of data sets that you can do this with and then they decide to challenge themselves on making visualizations of the data and they take votes to see who wins. And the way they do this is really cool. So they visualize it, which is one thing, kind of like an infographic, you know, where they've got lots of information about something in one large graphic that's on the internet. But these are interactives. You can like, uh, they show where a bunch of UFO sightings are from 1960 to 2014, for example. And you can hover over an area to get information or hover over a dot to get information about certain sightings. You can hover over all of her uh, little graphs and everything to get more information. Really cool stuff. So there was a a lady um, who did this, Pooja, I think her name is. Yeah, Pooja Gandhi and Adam Crahan was the other person. And Adam kind of won. But uh, Bustle did a story on it. The one thing, though, that they do is they got their information from New Fork, so the National UFO Reporting Center, ran by Peter mm-hmm. Davenport. Uh, he's a one-man band, you know. He's in Washington, and they show, like, uh, in Washington, there are a lot of sightings, probably because that's where he is. He's in the news a lot out there, so more people report. But all they did was take the number of sightings, and I put up an image of the United States at night, um, where you see all the lights light up, and it looks remarkably similar to Mm. their graphics of where sightings take place. My argument is, and of course I tell this to you all, my listeners, every time I do one of these graphs about where the hotspots are, is that just just taking the number of sightings alone doesn't give you much, because where there are more people, there are generally more sightings. So uh, the the number of places that report the most are the states that have the most people. So what is a better way to do this is to take the per capita. So dividing, you know, the number of sightings in a state, for example, by the number of people there. And you can find out how many sightings are there per person. 
And that will give you more of an idea of where there are hot spots, I think, because you're getting more reports per person. Um, I did this with the data that they used. I downloaded it, and you could see a much different story. So, of course, Washington's on top. Now, that is most likely because that's where Peter Davenport is. But then states like Montana, Vermont, Oregon, uh, come up higher, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado. Those are typical ones where you get a lot of sightings per person. Um, Interestingly, uh, some states like uh, New Mexico uh, and New Hampshire popped up as well. So Nevada, that makes a lot of sense, I think. But um, yeah, then you get a more idea of where the real hotspots are. But the graphics are really, really cool. So uh, check out the story. You could read about my data nerdiness, about why they should do per population, and then you can uh, play with their graphics and click all the buttons and have a good old time. I can't believe how um, you thought of that, first of all, and how closely that does shadow you know, the population. It's really quite amazing, and it does make sense after all, but I also was thinking, why didn't they think of that? <laughs> I know. And they were doing this. Well, they're not into UFOs, you know. They're yeah. they're just kind of taking it for fun. Um, in fact, what's funny is I tagged them when I did my story, and a bunch of people then started tagging them um, because they had a hashtag they wanted to use, their duo dare or something like this. And uh, they haven't responded at all, so they don't seem to appreciate the attention from UFO people, unfortunately. Wow. But, uh, yeah. Now, you said this was part of a contest, yeah, uh, so it's just a, yeah, it's a, just a friendly challenge. It's as if you and yeah. I, you know, if we decided to challenge each other and get our our listeners to vote on, you know, who's got the coolest T-shirt or something like that. Now, did they both pull data from the same source? They did. From, yep. Yeah. From okay. this website, Kaggle, and they got their information from New Fork. Now, I wonder what would happen if this would. Uh, it would be totally different, probably, because what you mentioned about Washington. With MUFON? If it was through MUFON. Mm-hmm. Not totally different. In fact, you know, the last time I did one of these, I think, was 2014. Either way, since their map covers 2014, I posted information from my story, because I did do a story breaking down MUFON's data from 2014. And it's very oh. similar. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. And, uh, Except for Washington. Talked, yeah, we've talked about this before about, you know, the, the certain states like Arizona and out west where the climate is so much, you know, warmer, mm-hmm. where, you know, the year round sightings must be more only because more more people are venturing outside. Yeah, I really think that's the case. You know, more people are outside. It's warmer and they're looking up. Like, for example, it's November. Most people are freezing their, their butts off or it's snowy and, and everything. We were just out uh, Saturday night. Uh, the local MUFON had their meeting and then they did a sky watch at night. So, uh, yeah, in November, you know, we're able to be outside looking at the sky out here and that we've got clear skies so we just have more sunshine per year so uh we have more of an opportunity to see stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that would make a lot of sense and uh so can the average joe go on your website here and see where their state uh rates as far as uh you know per per population sightings per population the average joe the average jane the average Sammy, um, 
the average Davis, the average junior, anyone can go do that. Anyone. Wow. Yeah. All right. It is um, quite but a service. do you have them? I was trying to figure that out when I was looking at your at the graph. Um, these it shows like number one is California, but that's um, that's per population. Is that how you have that? Yeah, so if you look at my graphic from 2014, you see I have number of reports. So California is at the top because they report the most UFOs. However, mm. uh, they also have the most people. So you'll see they have 38, you know, million, million. people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So so if you do it per population, California drops to 15, which is still fairly high. But um, certainly not number one. Right, right. Well, uh, thanks for the good work. Thank you for uh, thanking me <laughs> about the good work. Uh, another story that is out there that's kind of cool. This is from the magazine. Someone drew, uh, did some graphics for a a famous sighting uh, or a sighting that was a big deal to to those who are around. Um, that was in the APRO bulletin. So. APRO was a very important UFO organization out here in Arizona for uh, a long time, the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, and they did a bulletin for many years. And in fact, OpenMinds.tv is one of the rare places where we were able to, first of all, we had a lot of them, so we scanned some, we got them in this archive, and then we worked with the last publisher of their journal and we actually have every APRO bulletin on our website. You can go download those wow. in PDF format. So interesting stuff. They they went for decades. So something like two decades, three decades worth of bulletins covering the top stories. This was the group that was there with Travis Walton first on the scene investigating. They were more open to cases that included, you know, people saying they saw entities or something like that whereas some of the more conservative groups were still hesitant of that in the 60s and so forth so important group but this is a sighting from alabama from 1984 from their bulletin where the witness kind of drew sketches of what they had seen and uh we posted this article in the magazine but we added some graphics made by a gentleman named jim mcneil um of this this object and uh, they're just really cool pictures because what this person described it was a family and their car had issues they pulled out along the side of the road and essentially saw this thing um and someone mentioned it kind of looks like the daedalus spacecraft from 2001 and it does a bit it has kind of a round end and then a column that goes back from that and then these platforms, kind of like these viewing platforms that come out from the bottom of this craft. And, you know, these people said they saw these beings that were kind of looking around and checking them wow. out. So it's an amazing looking craft. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it kind of looks like a shower head in a it way. It does look like a shower head. You're yeah, right. It is. It's an odd thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, great graphics, too. And uh, the question I was thinking, though, when you're talking about this, whatever happened to APRO and why does a group that good dissolve? Do you have any idea? Yeah. Um, let's. See. They were headed up by this couple, Coral and um, 
Laurentin was was the wife of the the couple and uh Jim Laurentin I think yeah was the the other guy. So it was essentially this couple was running everything and um once uh the Jim passed away uh Coral then was kind of overwhelmed with it and just kind of they had a board for a period of time but that began to disperse and so they decided to kind of let it go they actually had sold it and and transferred a lot of the responsibility for the group to another couple who was supposed to kind of keep it alive but didn't uh in fact they turned out to be fraudsters uh and um, oh no so a lot of the data was lost a lot of their research unfortunately but um at least the journals are still out there but yeah uh, you know, that's often the case. Like, for instance, what would happen to New Fork if Peter Davenport um, had health issues or just couldn't do it or lost interest, you know? Same well, kind the of last thing. Well, the last time I spoke with Peter, he said he had something in place for that. Well, I mean, I don't oh, know. that's good. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give details, but hmm. he did say he's prepared for that. Well, that's good. Yeah, so, do you know what year that dissolved? Um, I think it was early '90s, late '80s, something like something like that. Yeah. Um. So you know, I always wondered how all these different groups, how they fared from you know pre-internet to you know post-internet. Yeah. Um, you know what changed in, in them, and you know how they survived and all that. And you can in the last few issues of at the Apro Bulletin, you can see a little bit of information and discussion about. Um, that topic about what happened and how they dissolved and stuff like that. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really cool stuff. Uh, the Epro Bulletins, I definitely recommend people check that out. But uh, yeah, otherwise there, of course, as usual, have been some headlines out there, some interesting stuff. You know, we've sent some some messages out to space looking for aliens. So you could read about that. They particularly sent them to... Um, these places that, uh, you know, uh, they think there might be uh, right life. So that's kind of interesting. Otherwise, tabloids have gone crazy. Tabloids are writing stories every day, these UK tabloids. <laughs> and most of them are making big deals out of stuff that is not a big deal. But uh, And then, you know, covering hoax stuff. So, unfortunately. Now, when you were mentioning the messages were you talking about the ones that are sending music and then they're going to send the musical message again yeah 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 that's great yeah i, I think, think that's, that's kind of cool but then people like carl uh or uh, people like uh stephen hawking are worried that they're going to alert aliens to our presence and they're going to come eat us or kill us or treat us badly well we've already rung that bell i mean mm. you know we've been sending stuff out to space for exactly you know, almost yeah. 100 years i think it's too late for that yeah. All right. So we are out of time. Uh, anything else? No, just uh, uh, just moving along here at Podcast UFO. I am shifting over to KGRA oh. very soon, December 13th. Ooh, that's yeah. my exciting news. They got me yeah. on there, too. So that's that's right. cool. KGRA is great. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us once again, Martin. My pleasure, as always. You'll soon be able to hear Martin on KGRA on Podcast UFO. And for those of you who are listening to us right now on KGRA, you'll hear a short break uh, with some commercials. So definitely pay attention and patronize these, these great people who help KGRA stay in business. 
And if you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear a short musical break, and we'll be back with our guest, Bob Davis. So hang tight. Welcome, Dr. Bob Davis, back to the show. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for inviting me. So you've got a few exciting things going on. Uh, I guess the first that thing that we'll get into is your abduction work, and uh, you've been working with this organization called Free, and maybe you can talk about them for a second, but you have some updates on that work. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for, for Research and uh, Extraordinary Encounters is, has an ongoing extensive research project involving over 3,200 individuals who claim to have interactions with unidentified flying objects and associated non-human intelligences. And the results that we are collecting are quite extensive because the survey incorporates over 600 questions. And our results uh, are going to be presented in, in a paper that uh, will be accepted by the Journal of Scientific Explor Exploration sometime next year. Uh, now, this foundation, which was co-founded by Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Rudy Shield, Ray Hernandez, and, and Mary Rodwell, um, are part of this ongoing research endeavor. And, and the, inter the interesting results, and maybe the most significant, is that uh, 1,400 subjects responded uh, to the question, do you want your contact experience to end? 73%, again, all 1,410 subjects reported that they did not want hmm. their contact experience to end. And, and the behavioral outcomes that result from the contact experience are such that they report the, that – they feel more positive. It's an egalitarian-like experience. 71% contend that to be the case. And in fact, over time, they have more of a positive feeling or outcome in, in, in a personal, uh, in terms of personal viewpoints, philosophical values about themselves, about the world. They become more humane when you look at the results collectively, which is far too vast uh, to discuss in, in a relatively short period of time. But what's quite interesting, too, is that UFO abductions are always considered to be 
uh, person is 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 here one day and and they're relocated on board a craft of some type. Now, that apparently is reported. Uh, whether or not it actually happens is obviously questionable. But 1,560 subjects re- who responded to the question, have you ever been taken and relocated to another location, 44% only said yes. 56% therefore said no. The point is a physical abduction is not as common. Uh, more often than not, it's a contact of some type, often involving telepathic communication, which we did find to be a very common uh, type of experience during their contact experience. And what they describe uh, regarding that contact experience, it it often involves uh, not being in a three-dimensional reality. For instance, we asked the question, um, did you ever have a, a contact with non-human intelligence in a three, in not in a three-dimensional reality? And we explain, you know, in other words, you are not in a perceived physical location, such as on Earth, on a planet, on a ship, etc. But instead, you perceived yourself in a matrix type of reality, a reality where there's no boundaries, similar to being out in space. And that was one criteria. The second criteria was that this matrix reality was as real as talking with a family member. So we looked at those two criteria, and that came out to 655 subjects. And the majority who said yes to those two questions, meaning it's real than real, and I'm in a matrix reality, with they contend, of the 655 they, the 79% say that their consciousness was separated from their body at the time of their contact experience. Their thoughts were sped up. 61% say that. Uh, their senses, in other words, also were more vivid than usual. 82% reported that. Uh, and they feel separated from their body. They lose awareness of their body. Uh, that's the majority of that sample. Hmm. Um, you know what? It makes me think of a couple things. Uh, it makes me think of John Mack's work, and Dr. John Mack, um, he felt that a lot of this was was kind of a, a non-physical sort of phenomenon, uh, kind of like what they're describing, a, a more of a consciousness-to-consciousness sort of thing. Um, but it also reminds me of uh, some of my – what I learned in psychology and, what I've, and, and doing uh, – hypnotherapy is that you know uh those experiences are are in a place like that those are experiences that you you invoke uh these guided meditations for kind of type of thing where they feel that they're uh outside of themselves but uh you know and there's been studies that have been done that the mind can't tell the difference from like a dream state or some of these other types of memories and real reality, real physical reality. Well, exactly, and that's a confounding variable. And and, and the work of John Mack, Jacques Vallée, John Keel, uh, only a few in the field uh, who have looked at the abduction phenomena. Abduction, uh, the word term abduction is not accurate, but nevertheless, hmm. they're right. There is a psycho mental component to it. But our subjects were, did not respond under hypnosis. We we, we mm-hmm. instructed them to only respond to the survey if they have conscious recall. Now that, however, was 
not 100%. Um, many did not have conscious recall. But the, 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 the fact that they described this matrix and the positive outcomes, such as a, a significant increase in the feelings of self-worth, their personal sense of purpose in life, their understanding of what life is all about, their self-acceptance, inner meaning to life, understanding myself and others, no fear of death, on and on, especially my sense of self-worth, correlated statistically with positivity measures that we, we, we developed in order to get at the essence of the experience. And this is a key point. It is a physical phenomena, clearly, but it is also a non-physical phenomena, and and in my mind, scientists within ufology itself and and outside must focus on the phenomenological characteristic of the, in other words, the essence that of the experience that the individual has when they are involved with this phenomena in some way. See, we often ignore that. That's what's really interesting, and I think this is going to bleed over to our conversation about your your book. Is that the this experience sounds very similar to the experiences of hi- hypnosis or uh, or meditation or prayer or um, these kind of other or, you know shamanism is about going into these altered states um, and these experiences they describe are similar to that so it's almost like if there is really a third party involved, uh, that this third party is inducing this sort of experience. Um, but what I find fascinating about that is that people don't necessarily need this third party to get into this space that, uh, as you described, seems to be something people like and want to continue and seems to be something that helps them. Alejandro, I, I, you're exactly right. What we're looking at here is is an interrelationship among contact modalities. We're talking about, and you're referring to it, spiritual, mystical, extraordinary experiences, in other words. And that does relate to my book, which was just released, uh, Life After Death, an analysis of the evidence, information about, by the way, free, and my books can be found on the ufophenomenon.com, my website. But, but... What we are seeing here is that many different types of practices or experiences like NDEs, OBEs, shamanic journeys, mystical meditation, even ayahuasca and UFO uh, encounters, especially those with non-human intelligences, all seem to have similar interrelated outcomes on the individual that, that seem to be represented as a uh, diminished spatial and temporal awareness as if time and space don't exist, uh, feelings of prof- profound joy and peace, a sense of div- divinity. Uh, 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 they can't express their experience in words. It's beyond uh, uh, <laughs> vocabulary. It's a sense. It's an essence, a sense of oneness with the world, interconnectedness with the universe. These things come through in our studies as well as others who look at other types of spiritual, mystical, extraordinary experiences. And that's a, that's a wide spectrum of, of issues. The point is, the UFO phenomenon is part of it. 
And consciousness, in other words, is the key component, and it is often ignored in, in the study of ufology. We can't continue to, to retrospectively analyze Roswell, Rendlesham, all that. It's entertaining. It is informative. We do need to understand it. It is a physical phenomenon, but we got to get way beyond that and now focus, as you, as you can understand, on the essence of the experience, what it means to the individual, how it changed, and how it relates to other types of experiences in terms of similarities and differences. There, the, the, this is uh, the feelings of spirituality, absorption, and awe. Uh, that, that, that it's characterized by a, a disappearance of the body, a loss of uh, time and space, the, the connectedness. Uh, and there are neurocognitive models of spiritual, mystical, and extraordinary experiences. There's, they're doing uh, you know, positron emission tomography of individuals who are uh, experienced meditators, uh, for instance, and they do note changes in their body, or mediums, in fact, when they go into their trance state, they do note differences, far too, too detailed to, to discuss, but we need to also incorporate... Uh, objective results along those lines, also in experiencers, as well as psychological studies, which we have not done. It's just simply too costly and time-consuming, uh, uh, especially when we're talking about over 3,200 uh, subjects in our study. But that has to be focused on. Prior studies are only a few in number that look at abduction, and the, the vast majority focus on the psychological profile of the individual macted to uh, bullard etc and largely they find that they're similar to the general population although some studies you know identify psychological abnormalities so there is a controversy but nevertheless if you have 3200 individuals in a in a study like we do i'm sure there's a certain percent that uh, are, are are fraud or hoaxing or have some kind of psychological aberration giving rise to their uh, responses which is not true but that is mitigated i think by the fact that we do have that very large subject population so it shouldn't influence the overall results but mm -hmm. um so since uh, since my research with free it became much more apparent not only is it a physical phenomenon obviously but it is a consciousness type of a uh, experience that is similar to other experiences and we need to figure out what is going on we're talking about thousands if not millions worldwide over the centuries that have had these kinds of interactions likewise OBEs and NDEs 200,000 uh, people in the United States alone millions worldwide have these experiences and they're changed from that day forward similar mm -hmm. to the UFO inter, you know, interactions with, with or without non-human intelligences, which vary from human-looking to the greys and the, the wide range of types. But the most common is human-looking. Uh, and, and short and tall greys come next in terms of incidence of frequency. But yeah, you have your reptilians and your insectoids, etc. People do report that. The question is, what is going on? Mm -hmm. If they are indeed interacting with non-human intelligence, if that is true, and I can't say that with 100% certainty, we have to look at theories in quantum physics, which may 
hopefully provide uh, what a foundation to bridge the gap between scientific principles and spiritual, mystical, and extraordinary experiences. And David Bohm, a noted physicist, agreed that it makes no sense to separate physical effects from spiritual effects. And and these studies confirm that these altered states of consciousness can be measured in the brain. And it, and it simply reinforces the need to further apply these kinds of principles and methods of study to better understand uh, the UFO experience, which is real. There's, there's no question. We don't have to convince people that UFOs are real. That's not, the, that's not the issue at hand here. We have to shift focus to look prospectively how to better research this phenomena to incorporate, again, the, the, the impact that the experience has on them. And the fact is that our results show that about 70 to 75% of, of the entire population, over 3,200, say that they are changed in a positive way, hmm. resulting from their interaction. The obvious question is why? But these people are, are you know, they want an answer. What happened to me? Mm -hmm. And they're not going, obviously, they're not going to tell everybody about it. And they don't have the proper support from the medical psychiatric community, obviously. They'll be labeled dissociative disorder or schizophrenia. You, you know the story. And dumbed down with, with medication. That's not, that's not appropriate, obviously. There's What's not interesting support. Yeah. Is, is in psychology, when it's a disorder, when it's something that is at negative, it, 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 the uh, threshold is whether or not it affects someone's life in a negative manner. And I don't know that a lot of people believe that. So if you go to a, a psychiatrist and say all of this wild and crazy stuff, as long as it's not hampering your ability to live your life, you know, typically they're supposed to uh, leave it alone. And, you know, you only, you know, treat something as as, as a major issue if it affects their life. Um, and... In this situation, it enhances their lives in many ways because they go to this this space uh, that we've we've talked about, kind of this uh, you know where they're able to work out these issues and feel like they're they're enlightened and and that helps their life. Sure, they're sharing uh, if they go so far, and there's there's probably some wisdom as there always in is perhaps in us you know. Not maybe putting our wearing our spiritual beliefs or or experiences on our shoulder, kind of keeping that personal because everybody accesses this space in a different manner. Um, and a lot of those people, whether it be a religious experience and a UFO experience or or otherwise meditative experience or whatever it is, those are built on belief systems, the words that we use, and and so it's not necessarily. As long as you're benefiting, um, uh, I think that's that's the important part. And the danger gets in when you start to challenge people's belief systems. And certainly, uh, mainstream, uh, if you were to go and say, I saw the Virgin Mary, and this is what the Virgin Mary told you, your doctor's probably going to be more open to that than if you said, I saw a reptoid, and this is what it told me. Uh, I, I agree completely. It's quite insightful. Uh, and in fact, 
we did analyze the first few encounters versus the last few encounters, and it's more common for people to have multiple experiences, especially over 20. And what we find is that they do adapt to the experience to the point where during the first few encounters, only 40% regard it as positive, about 20% consider it negative. Hmm. Over time, however, uh, getting to your point, uh, 70 to 80% consider it a positive experience. But nevertheless, there is a small uh, subpopulation that, that constitutes about 15% or and less uh, that still consider the experience negative. Mm-hmm. And that is a large group uh, when you consider this is a worldwide uh, ongoing phenomenon. So these people, I'm not saying that you know the UFO phenomenon always has a positive effect. It largely seems to, but there are still many, many individuals that are suffering from confusion, anxiety, whatever, regarding the experience for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But here we have to uh, un- better understand wh- what's going on with their altered state of consciousness because it is similar to, in some cases, meditative practices, religious spiritual experiences. Yes, indeed, I agree, I agree. Uh, and if they are having a positive experience, which we see in the majority of individuals, they, 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 even though they are, they are still searching for an answer. You know, what does it all mean? Mm-hmm. Why me? Uh, and they need to have some support group, not necessarily a psychologist or counselor, but mm-hmm. but uh, and there are many conferences that address this. You know, people like Mary Rodwell, a member of Free, uh, and and others uh, help others others who do go through this experience to give them better uh, understanding uh, and, and support, comfort, explanation, not that we have the answer. We don't have an answer in terms of what's the objective, what's going on here. W- nobody knows. Uh, it's interdimensional, extra- who knows? I mean, we can only speculate and it's fun to do so <laughs> in a way, but there are theories in quantum mechanics, again, that get at that in terms of alternate dimensions and such. Now, that may, may or may not be true, but it is something to consider because we have to try to apply scientific principles, if at all possible, to this. And we don't have any firm uh, 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 clarification or understanding or principles that apply. Mm-hmm. And, and, nor do we have methods that can be used to adequately understand uh, and test uh, the the issue at hand here, um, especially since these events are uh, spontaneous in nature, uh, and people change uh, it seems overnight in some varying ways. But but there are also similarities, and you pointed out in terms of spiritual, meditative, psychedelic type experience, even uh, DMT, ayahuasca. People are getting into that, and and also reporting uh, altered space and time type experiences and uh, interactions with non-human intelligences. Mm-hmm. You know what's that all about? And you get into the impact of uh, influence of the, the dimethyltryptamine in the brain and the results from Dr. Straussman, who studied this in many individuals uh, a decade or so ago. And he compared his, his results to, the, to John Mack, noted psychiatrist from Harvard, Harvard as, as I'm sure your listeners are well aware of, who firmly believed that the experience was valid. He didn't have an answer, but he did consider it to be uh, uh, a psychologic, consciousness, spiritual-based experience. Um, The point is, the results 
from the DMT experiments and the abduction-related experiences that Mac found, when they got together and they compared the notes, they were dumbfounded as to the similarity, the sim- great similarity between the mm. reports. Now, what does that say? Well, uh, you know, it's, it, it could be a brain event. It could be a consciousness and brain. Who knows? We can only speculate. But it does say that what? Many different types of contact modalities as I mentioned earlier, and you did too, tend to give rise to similar types of outcomes, especially those that involve alterations with space and time, uh, changes in psycho-spiritual behaviors generally towards the positive, and a, a, a profound sense of awe and a transcendent type of experience and with with resulting questions like what does this mean how do i make sense of this is it real and they do believe it is real they truly do uh and and that's something that also is consistent with spiritual meditative practices and the next section, we'll get more into that. We're out of time for the, for this section, but yeah, we'll get more into your new book, like you mentioned, um, that uh, talks about life after death. But yeah, I love this. I think it's all so fascinating. But we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Open Mind UFO Radio. If you're listening on KGRA, you're going to hear uh, a short commercial break. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear some lovely music for a few seconds until we return. So stay put. We'll be right back with Open Mind UFO Radio. UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we are here with Dr. Bob Davis. And I want to transition over to this near-death experience book that you have, because I think there are um, similarities, and, and it's a fascinating topic. But before we do that, there's one aspect, uh, uh, it seems to at least the UFO phenomena, um, that is that is a bit weird. You said you heard my interview with uh, John Alexander and and he talks about this. It's uh, he kind of uses this phrase that I love, and I never remember it completely. These the sentient uh, non-human entities, I think he calls it, or something like consciousness. I think, uh, but they seem elusive uh, on purpose when it comes to the UFO phenomena. And in particular, you know, he investigated that uh, uh, Skinwalker Ranch 
with uh, Bob Bigelow's group. And that had, of course, a lot of different weird phenomena that it's even hard to categorize. But it seemed, you know, uh, even when it comes to the spiritual and the scientific side of the UFO phenomena, on either side, it's elusive in that you don't get solid answers like these answers these people are looking for that you're working with. Um, and the scientists don't get solid answers either to definitively prove a nuts and bolts physical situation. Well, you're, you're exactly right. I think John Alexander is, is right on in terms of his um, strong opinions about the fact that consciousness is a, is, a, is a major component to not only the UFO experience, but many other uh, the reported paranormal anomalous-like activities, which come in all shapes and sizes, and it, it's obviously a very wide spectrum of, of just that. And the question is, uh, is it all of this related? Uh, and if so, why? And and is consciousness again uh, uh, related to this uh, enigma? Uh, Again, I, I when I wrote the book, The UFO Phenomenon, Should I Believe, and when I continued my research with Free, the Dr. Edgar Mitchell, again, foundation for research into extraterrestrial and, and extraordinary encounters, it became very clear that consciousness is, is a fundamental aspect of this and other related phenomena like NDEs and OBEs. So I wrote the book, Life After Death, an analysis of the evidence which is available on Amazon, and more information about my book can be found on my website, ufophenomenon.com. In fact, Free is in the process of developing a book entitled Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligences, and that will be available sometime next year. But here again, um, we, we look for answers, and, and, and if there is life after death, if consciousness is a component of many of these phenomena, we're, we're, we're talking about the possibility of quantum mechanics or quantum consciousness as, as a way to possibly bridge that psycho-spiritual, psycho-physical gap that use mathematical equations to explain how consciousness relates to nature and the quantum field theory. I mean, Einstein developed the unified field theory. He tried to integrate known phenomena of what? Of gravity, space-time, electricity, and electromagnetism using equations to explain what governs and regulates our physical existence. But maybe he left out an important component called consciousness. Maybe that represents the essence of, of what? A, a subjective aspect of our physical world. It gives us meaning. And, and, and we question, why am I consciousness? Am I the brain? Why do we have these paranormal activities that, that defy scientific principles? What governs and regulates the UFO phenomena as well as other types of experiences where people feel that they are separate from their body, that they persist after bodily death? Is there, in fact, the continuity of consciousness following death? And if so, what is it? Are people now having glimpses into other dimensions or different realities in the, in, in the sense that that might 
be part of the paranormal phenomena that people are experiencing, not only at the Skinwalker Ranch, where John Alexander experienced, uh, uh, among millions of other types of experiences that people have on a daily basis that involve, what, telepathy, that, that involve near-death and out-of-body experiences, that, that, that involve mystical meditation and altered states of consciousness that result from it. You know, in, in the world of quantum mechanics, it, we can be in two different universes at the same time, and we can have two different outcomes for everything we do at the same time, as weird as that sounds. Um, that is the world of quantum mechanics. And if it's true... We can't say 100%, um, then maybe consciousness should be part of Einstein's unified field theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, after all, you know, our sensory systems can only perceive a limited range of energy. We know that energy exists that we cannot perceive. A mm-hmm. dog obviously can hear sounds that we cannot hear. The point is we're only getting a glimpse of a, a small piece of reality since our sensory systems do not pick up all energy that exists across all wavelengths. So energy exists despite our ability to experience it. So what does that say? Uh, you know, welcome to the world of quantum mechanics. And there are, there are many books on this topic that address uh, the, the quantum mechanic universe and quantum, con- uh, quantum consciousness, the hologram theories. We can go on and on explaining uh, all of these different theories that, that address the hard problem, as David Chalmers called it, of subjective experience. Uh, and, but, but many scientists, neuroscientists, uh, among others, are finding that there are quantum processes that exist within the brain. You know, noted that physicist Roger Penrose uh, looked at the microtubules of the brain neurons, and many Physicists, neuroscientists are, are now looking at the, the generation of biophotons or light energy generated at the level of DNA molecules within the brain. Uh, and this, if valid, may pr- provide the, the foundation for uh, uh, the existence of a subtle energy that exists within the brain that might might represent conscious events. They contend in varying ways that that subtle energies or biophotons that generate torsion energy outside the brain, you know, allows us, in other words, to interact with our universe or or even parallel dimensions. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that gets I know it gets into the woo-woo stuff, but many physicists like Claude Swanson, who is also a member of Free, mm-hmm. like Dr. Edgar Mitchell, uh, who obviously passed away and founded the Institute for Noetic Sciences and Free, along with others. Well and, the and field, they all uh, subscribe to this. And just yeah. so because people do get confused with quantum, what is quantum? And they there are people that throw that or, or phrase around easily. Uh, but I mean, what quantum is, and you know, please correct me, is at least with my understanding, it's essentially it does affect everything. I mean, what Einstein was looking for was the answer to gravity and everything. And and quantum is looking at the tiny, tiny, you know, like you you said, subtle energies. So it's, there's there's a mathematics where you can discover the nature uh, of uh, how the quantum world works, but it's subtle, subtle, tiny 
difficult to detect sort of world that uh, it makes up all of us and everything that we don't understand. And, and we found, even in Einstein's days, uh, what he called what spooky action at a distance, um, we found things that don't make sense, uh, that don't fit with the, the regular physics of bigger things. And, and so that's why there's this mystery and this component to everything that we just don't understand. Well, exactly. And and it may tie into uh, our interpretation of many of these phenomena that we are talking about. We're talking about a very strange behavior that exists on the subatomic level. Uh, and, and there is uh, conclusive evidence, as far as I'm concerned, conducted by many researchers, Dean Radin being one, that shows that consciousness can actually have an effect on subatomic particles in varying ways. In other words, it behaves as a wave when one is not observing it, but then behaves as a particle when a human being interacts with it through observation. You know, there, there was a, a recent paper by a noted physicist, uh, uh, Haramine, and, and he talks about how awareness and memory and cognitive processes of, of the brain are actually facilitated by non-local information. You know, he, he's, he's subscribing to what Roger Penrose and Stuart Hammerhoff talked about in terms of quantum processes exist in the brain and give rise to conscious moments and that that process may again persist after bodily death and may explain the NDE and OBE and the oneness, the interconnectedness, the sense of profound love that people are experiencing when they have either encounters with UFOs and non-human intelligence or NDEs. The, the point is the point is these leading physicists of the day and not everybody's on the same page of course they they relate consciousness events uh, and awareness with non-local processes and space-time geometry i'm not a physicist and i can't you know analyze it uh, as well as certainly as they can but the point is that science is starting to come up with theories that seem to align with the subjective experiences, and this is the key point, we are seeing a bridging of the gap, as far as I'm concerned, between scientific principles and the uh, subjective experience that people are, are reporting. Again, that sense of oneness, interconnectedness, that's quantum physics. Mm -hmm. and, and if we are indeed, uh, what? You know, if indeed consciousness is separate than the three-pound gray white matter of our brain, then maybe it can interact with the universe. Maybe the universe is also a conscious-like entity, and once free of the body via death or out-of-body experiences induced spontaneously or whatever, maybe then we are or have a sense of we are one with the universe. This is what people say. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean? I have no clue. I'm just trying to 
bridge that gap. And my book is getting at that through through uh, research with NDEs, UFOs, out-of-body experience, mediumship, yeah. telepathic communication is also part of this as well. So let's get into the book. I want to get into the book directly. So NDEs, near-death experiences, for people who might not know, or OBEs, or uh, out-of-body experiences. Your book is is called uh, Life After Death, An Analysis of the Evidence. And um, so what was your stance? So what was the direction that you came at this topic at? The bottom line is trying to determine, if at all possible, if consciousness, whatever that is, and that is defined differently by different individuals relevant to their unique discipline, uh, but is consciousness separate from the brain? Can individuals actually influence physical systems? Uh, 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 Do we have that ability? And do we see glimpses of experiences that relate to theories in quantum physics, trying to get at the the fundamental point, again, is that can consciousness survive bodily death? In other words, is a survival hypothesis valid? And I don't have the answer. Well, you know, I kid what around. If, yeah. Mm-hmm, go ahead. I love no, kidding. I kid around that the answer is maybe, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we, so with the apparitions, that's an interesting part because we've talked about consciousness, near-death experience, uh reincarnation mediumship these are kind of internal functions inside of uh, of a person um whereas even mediumship whereas an apparition uh would seem to be uh, a, a kind of f- physical or at least uh some sort of physical manifestation of an incarnate consciousness is that what uh it appears to be to you it's hard to say, but but apparitions are real. Poltergeist phenomena is real. As far as I'm concerned, what it is is another story. Uh, it could be <laughs> generated by one's own mind, uh, as explained by the super ESP hypothesis, or or it could indeed rep- represent a form of energy that somehow still remains and can be uh, observed by one or more individuals at the same time. Sometimes a person can see uh, an apparition, but others cannot when they're in the same environment. Uh, More often than not, they appear, they disappear over a short term. Um, They don't verbalize. Uh, They do appear as solid. They do open doors, close doors. They do interact with the physical universe. The question, of course, is, is that proof that the deceased remain? Um, One may want to think that that is true because we want to believe that that, that there is a form of life after death. But it could just be a a, a type of energy imprint that that is generated from our body naturally. Here again, we're looking at the, the possibility of biophotons or torsion waves, uh, torsion energy that is generated by the body. Maybe apparitions represent that and are not really conscious beings, but just uh, um, evidence of existence at one time. So kind um, of like, uh, to get an idea, kind of like uh, infrared 
if you like me sitting in this chair, if I get up and leave this chair, if you're someone in this room who walks into this room uh, after I've left, you wouldn't know I was here at all. However, if you turn on the infrared, you would be able to see that the chair is warm so that I, I affected this chair. So you would be able to see it's here, but it's not a sensory sense we inherently have. So or and I don't necessarily know I'm affecting my environment like this, but there may be energies or subtle ways that we are affecting our environment that may have like a lasting recorded effect on that environment that somehow we can kind of pick up. Uh, is that the the whole kind of recorded uh, like a the possible? Yeah. Yeah, but what what you're alluding to is uh, non-local intuitive perception, um, and and we see evidence of of this in in varying ways. Uh, mm. We see this, in other words, whereby uh, uh, through interpersonal EEG coupling between a healer and a subject, we see that mm. there is in fact an influence of one's intention. In another person at a distance, we see an objective electrophysiological alteration in that individual, in other words, that is time-locked to one's intention. So we're starting to look at objective evidence which shows that there is an effect of bodily energy of some type on physical systems at a distance. And we see this between individuals via EEG and even EKG, uh, temperature changes, pH in water, healing effects at a distance. Uh, and there needs to be more research in this area because some studies have indicated that that is indeed true. The benefits of healing prayer, distant healing has been demonstrated in, in cardiopulmonary and AIDS patients and, and even in mice that's affected with uh, cancer. Uh, but what is going on here? You know, maybe the most classic experiment was the Global Consciousness Project at Princeton uh, University, where random event generators, a hundred or so of them, were stationed worldwide. They emit very quickly uh, zeros or ones in a random fashion, and over time, you're going to get 50% zeros, 50% ones. But when there is a major incident that results in the collective uh, awareness on the part of millions worldwide, we they reported that the random behavior became significantly non-random, such as the unfortunate, terrifying incidents that occurred on, on 9-11. There is ample evidence, although it's somewhat controversial, that, that these random generators were affected by some kind of conscious um, energy. Um, whereby they became significantly non-random, and the researchers concluded that, that this significance could only, be, could only happen by chance uh, on, you know, on the order of million, millions and millions to, to, to one. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but it also was seen that when the tsunami occurred, uh, when President Obama was elected, among other kinds of events that draw the collective attention of millions worldwide to that event question is what's going on obviously mm -hmm. so, we're at, we're pretty much out of time so i mean so interesting and i i think people 
will hopefully understand why all of this is interconnected. Um, and of course, any uh, sufficiently advanced civilization may even understand all of this much better than we do and be able to interact with it. Um, and and <laughs> for lack of a better term, kind of mess with us uh, uh, for better or worse. Uh, your your work seems to be indicating perhaps possibly in a in a more positive manner uh, than than it you know negative but um your book is life after death an analysis of the evidence uh your website is uh i forgot again ufo ufo phenomenon.com yep the ufo phenomenon.com so and it is phenomenon just so people know what else is coming up for you is that the best place for people to go see your work and get your book is uh your website uh, yes, indeed. It's on Amazon, published by Schiffer Publishing. Um, I'm in the process of writing an article with me- other members of Free that will be, again, uh, published in the Journal of uh, Scientific Exploration that, that focuses, again, on the on the abduction scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here again, I emphasize to the members of ufology who follow it, who are, are, are involved with it, I commend all of you for your research, uh, your interest, sharing of stories that's that's critical uh and i i congratulate you alejandro for all you, you do uh which is quite significant and it provides a forum for people to discuss what i consider to be the most important issue of our time uh, i think the ufo phenomenon is again interrelated with many other phenomena it is a conscious there is a significant consciousness component to it. Uh, it is a physical phenomenon. Where it comes from, what the objective is uh, uh, of this phenomenon is indeed a mystery. But the point is the scientific community must, again, take it more seriously, must study it as with great determination. Uh, at the very least, sociologists and psychologists should consider this a significant area of research, uh, since it has such a, a profound effect on, on individuals who encounter not only UFO, but also other kinds of uh, phenomena that we are addressing. Uh, a great deal, obviously, can be can be said about it. Uh, maybe at some other point in time, we can discuss it further on, on your show. But again, I want to thank you for inviting me. Thank I appreciate you. that. Yep. Great to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much to Dr. Bob Davis for being on the show. Really great stuff. Remember, his his website is theufophenomenon.com, and his new book, which you can find on Amazon, is Life After Death, and Analysis of the Evidence. Really interesting stuff. I did want to talk about a couple other things, too, um, regarding my real estate. We do have a Santa's Helper stock stuffing um, thing going on where these uh, socks and gifts are going to be given to... Um, foster children. So really good uh, uh, thing. And uh, you could go to my website, to my Facebook, and you'll be able to find information on how to do that. Or just ping me and say, hey, you want to participate? And I'll let you know how. Uh, It's really cheap, but you can find those details on my Facebook page. Otherwise, we also have a really cool video of this inspector going over some really interesting stuff. Home inspector, when it comes to real estate, we're doing these meetups. And it's really interesting, funny stuff, how people have done some weird things to repair their homes that are are just kind of ridiculous. 
duct tape uh, stories, things like that. So interesting things like that, but also safety and, and how to do repairs and things um, in a way where you could save money and be safe at the same time. So really cool, important stuff. Otherwise, UFO Congress, of course, is coming up. Exciting stuff. We've got a lot of great speakers. We'll be listing more in the next couple of weeks. Check out UFO.com for that. And of course, the stories that Martin and I talked about uh, the earlier on the show, you can find at openminds.tv. Otherwise, thank you to Martin for joining us at the beginning of the show for the news. Thank you to Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music. Thank you to Systematics for the bumper music. And thank you, the listener, for being here. It's always awesome to do the show and know we've got great listeners that are here to enjoy it. Until next time, adios muchachos. Thank you.